0: Hey there, this is Angel Donovan with another episode of Dating Sex Relationships Podcast. This is a show where we look at dating sex and relationships in a way that translates to results. We look at the truth by learning from every expert we can find out there with either years of research experience or years of real life experience behind them. We take a look at this subject from every perspective we can. We're just looking for the truth. We ignore social taboos and politics because we know that getting to the truth is what leads to results and satisfaction. This show is super practical. We're looking for practical insights and action. And the goal, the end goal, is not information, but taking action. So please take something from every episode of this show and put it into action. Do that for me. Do me a favor. If there is some specific topic you want to address, is it something you want us to talk about and solve for you? Send me a Twitter. Tweet at me at Angel Donovan. And let me know how we can do that for you. Just hit me up there or even email me at angel at datingskillsreview.com. I want to help you. I want to make this show the best and most useful for all of you out there and solve all your problems. So it's up to you. Let me know what you need. Today's interview is awesome. Today we're going to look at the past 25 years since one man decided to teach men how to seduce women and everything that happened because of that and how it evolved. It's truly been a roller coaster for many of us who got involved in the movement of seduction, pickup artistry, and everything else that has come with it. And it really hasn't stopped running. I personally believe the seduction movement has helped to spread self-help to a much broader male audience and has really inspired many guys to just improve themselves and their lives, not just in dating, sex and relationships, but everywhere. And I've seen that many times. So today we're going to look at the evolution of speed seduction and the man behind it, Ross Jeffries. This is an amazingly candid interview. I really couldn't have asked for Ross to be more straightforward and honest with us about his 25 years of experience and his journey of teaching men how to get better with women. He reveals the good. He reveals the bad. He reveals the wrong turns the successes and deep insights into how men improve their dating, sex and relationship lives taken from 25 years of experience of working with men to solve these problems. And as you'll see, it's a journey that has changed and has evolved over time. So it's really interesting to see that from someone who created it and has been there the longest. If you don't know Ross Jeffries, he started teaching seduction before the 1990s. His first product that came out was how to get the women you desire into bed. Then in 1998, that spread to the internet with alt.seduction.fast. And that was something that I was actually a part of in that movement uh, from around 2000. I myself am very grateful for that because the first things I ever learned was on alt.seduction.fast. And so if it wasn't there, I wouldn't have had anything to study and learn from and get kickstarted in all of this. Ross Jeffries has actually been played by Tom Cruise in the film Magnolia in the alias Frank TJ Mackey, who was basically taking on a similar role of a seduction guru. And Ross, over the years, has been featured in every media you could think possible BBC, CNN, Fox, ITV, NBC, Playboy, Rolling Stone, and on and on and on, Dr. Phil Show, and on and on. In this interview, you really get to see the personality of Ross and a lot about his own personal journey. I would love to hear about what you learned from this episode. What are your takeaways from this 25 year journey and what it means for you? Tell me in the comments at datingskillsreview.com forward slash podcast, picking this episode out there. You'll also find all of the links to everything we mentioned, the transcript, the download of the MP3, and more about today's guest. If you want all of that information in your email inbox, go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash newsletter, pop your email in there, and you'll automatically get all of that every time an episode comes out. Without further delay, now let's get into this interview. I'm Angel Donovan and this is the Dating Skills Podcast. This is a 14-year ongoing mission to discover the truth about what works in dating, sex and relationships, to become a better man. Join me as I leave no stone unturned, chase down every expert, role model and mentor with insights to get us to that goal as fast as possible. This show is about bringing you the best of that information so that you can take it in and change your life for the better, step-by-step, episode-by-episode. Ross, fantastic to have you on the show. It's my pleasure. I
1: always love being heard and seeing that this is one of the most popular podcasts on this topic. I'm honored to be addressing such a large audience.
0: Yeah, well, I've known about you for over 15 years, and you've influenced me indirectly and, and all of that kind of stuff. So it's really interesting to finally talk to you. Let's talk a little bit, just to give people a bit of background. You released your first book in 1992. No, 1988. Oh, was it 1988? Oh, quick. Well, tell me about that, because obviously I haven't got the correct information.
1: Well, I had been working as a paralegal at the time. And while I enjoyed the work, I also thought, you know, I don't want to work for other people the rest of my life. And so in 1987, I stumbled upon NLP. It's a long story. To make a long story short, I was going through a self-help section of a bookstore in my hand. And this is, people don't believe this, but you might find your own reasons to believe as you're listening to me talk, or you may just find that you naturally agree with what I say, because what I say resonates in that place where you find the truth. And I think that's the process of recognizing the really great learning is taking place for (laughs) someone. So in any case, what happened is my hand reached up, grabbed a book. It was Frogs and the Princes by Boundler and Grinder. And I got very involved in that. So I, in my spare time, my lunch hour and after work, I hammered through this piece of shit book and just declared myself an expert. We put ads. In fact, you know what I did? Hold on just one minute. I dug through, um, This is actually the ad that started to build my empire. We ran this in Gallery Magazine. It's sort of a man's playboy.
0: Could you read the headline out for people just to give them a...
1: Yeah, yeah. The amazing seduction secrets of a skinny, ugly, six-foot geek from Culver City, California, that can get you all the girls you want, no matter what your looks or age. Wow. Now, this thing, we sold a lot of books. And then I started to go on, you know, I figured, well, this is nice, but I'm spending everything I'm making. Let's see if we can get free publicity. I started getting on all the chat shows. And and that's basically how it went.
0: Well, great. So let's let's count back uh, just quickly. That's 27 years? There wasn't any Internet.
1: Right. You understand?
0: There was something called um,
1: ARPANET or where different academics could talk to each other. But really, uh, there was no Internet no smartphones yeah you know i'm holding up my iphone this would have been something from star Trek <laughs> back in those days
0: yeah it's like you've been through the whole information revolution basically information products everything advice seminars all of these things and is completely transformed in that period you've kind of seen it all so i guess that's been interesting from a, a teaching standpoint because you're actually working with different tools or you've got different ability to teach people just on that kind of standpoint what has changed you in the way you deliver your information, your advice? Technology wise. Or maybe it hasn't. Yeah. You know?
1: Well, I like doing the healing part of the work. Teaching guys how to pull women has become somewhat trivial and somewhat boring for me to deliver the same message. I like doing the interactive part. So I have a coaching program that I do through a, te- a platform called Instant Fellow Seminar. I do occasional webinars. Uh, The seminar business, I stepped out of for like a year. I'm getting back into it because I wanted to sort of revamp what I'm teaching and how I teach it. And then I love using Skype. And most fun is seeing clients privately. I used to do it back in the early days, and I kind of got away from it. But I want to reestablish that practice, and not as a a pickup, but rather an overall healing practice. I've been studying many different forms of personal development and healing work. I think a lot of men enter this path because they're trying to get into a healing journey. Uh, I myself am still doing it. So that I want to make that more of my focus. And also I found that the live seminar business, just people can't afford. It doesn't monetize at least for my business, the way it used to used to be where I could go to London, charge the equivalent of a thousand us dollars and get 50, 60 people in the room. But that just doesn't happen.
0: People aren't willing to pay as much for the seminars these days? People can't afford to travel. Uh, Because remember,
1: when you travel, London is actually, I think, more, how can I put this, more lucrative, because all of Europe, Western Europe, is very close. You understand? Yeah. In the United States, it's just, I don't know. But so, I don't know if
0: that answers your question or not. Yeah, it's very interesting. Actually, I'd like to follow on with, how you've shifted to healing men.
1: Well, here's the thing. I'm still on my own healing journey. You have to recognize or understand that I wrote that first book out of a lot of rage and pain and frustration. And I think that Ross Jeffries, my real name is Paul, Paul Ross. I created Ross Jeffries as a character to teach through. But looking back on it, I think it was really a way to hypnotically dissociate from all that pain from which I created Ross. And that pain, in some sense, to some degree, is still there. And it still flares up. So uh, there's an archetype called the wounded healer, where the healer has a wound and then comes through their own journey and returns to heal. But that wound is always there in some aspect. It never really closes completely. So through the years, I've been studying my own disciplines and personal growth. and, And I think a lot of men are looking for community. Yeah, they want to be with women. I understand that. That's important but they want to be with women as a different kind of guy. And that's not always uh, the model that they're being presented as what that guy should be. He's not necessarily the healthiest, and it involves a lot of self-torture to get there. And so I would like to remove the self-torture and assist men in finding a healthier way to be attracted to women. Now, I myself am guilty of this because of the sensationalist marketing that i've used and i have to say to my (laughs) chagrin continue to use i've used the justification that that's what gets people to pay attention but in some some extent now i'm internally conflicted because on the one hand i'm teaching something different from that message on the other hand that's still the message i'm sending out my justification is that's what gets attention But then on the other hand, I see people like Haley Quinn, who I consider to be already at her young age, masterful. And she doesn't have any of that kind of thing in her marketing.
0: Yeah, I see your point. Exactly. It's interesting that you're talking like a lot of the things you've been just saying have been quite interesting. And I wanted to talk about one of the things that you brought up is that men don't have a sense of community and they're not. It sounded like you sound that even after they study all of this stuff that's out there, right? There's a lot of it out there now they don't get satisfaction. Is that what you see as healing, getting to the point of satisfaction or is it something different?
1: Well, you actually asked two questions. You sort of conflated the question about finding community and satisfaction. I think finding community is important. Humans are meant to be social creatures and and to have some kind of tribe. I just don't think making the quote seduction community, your tribe is very healthy. I don't think there is a community. Community involves face-to-face meeting with people and and co-regulating by having eye contact and sharing smiles and sharing laughter. So I don't think it's really a community. It's more like a, first of all, I think it's a set of competing businesses. (laughs) I'm going to circle back to that because there's a very interesting story there. So that's number one. I don't think it really is a community. It's a bunch of guys sharing knowledge. The whole idea that there is a community, that's That's been around for a while, but it's really partially the person responsible for that perception that is Neil Strauss. He used it as part of a secret society or a secret world. I think you could call that a deviant subculture. By deviant, I don't mean wicked or evil. This is a term from sociology. By deviant, I mean it's just other than normal. The hell's angels are considered a deviant subculture. They have their own way of dressing, their own rituals, their own way of speaking. That's what I mean. So by deviant, I don't mean it's evil, I mean it's simply off from the norm. So it's not really a community. The second thing, when you talk about satisfaction, there, you know, the old saying, be careful what you wish for, because you may get it. And I think part of what the community is doing, the quote community, I just said there isn't one. Part of what the various different schools are doing is they're promoting. A lifestyle that ultimately, I think, ultimately is not what humans need to be satisfied. This is also from a Buddhist perspective. I've been studying a lot of Buddhist philosophy. The idea that getting more and getting it with more variety and getting it quicker and larger will lead to satisfaction. I don't know that it's true.
0: I personally don't believe it's true. Through my own journey, I went, like most guys, through that variety and number Eventually, it gets old. I'm not sure if sometimes I wonder if it's it's due to getting older and more mature, or if it's actually due to the accumulation of ex- the experience itself that you finally get over that, or you get to a dark place where you're like, no idea why I'm doing this. From your perspective, because you've been through this whole journey, I'm sure.
1: By no means do I claim to be anywhere close to being the world's best seducer. I don't claim that I'm the best teacher. Or, well, now that Haley's around, I claim that I'm an extremely good teacher for certain kinds of guys. Not all guys will find me a good teacher. But for a certain set of men, I think, first of all, I'm an extremely good teacher. And what I teach is very valuable. But by no means am I the world's best seducer. I'm sure there are guys who are naturals who would kick my
0: ass. Yeah, and everyone, like, fair is different. And they're interested in a, a different level of, um, how would you say, intensity of this. You know, some people go out and be, like, getting involved in it every day. Other people, they have a more balanced approach or a lesser priority based on it
1: sir i'm fifty six years old, and my health is okay. It's not what it once was, you know I've had a back and uh, I'm on the men, but I can't I don't have the the energy I had when i or the craziness, thank God <laughs> or the rage.
0: yeah, that's definitely best left in the twenties, maybe the some of the thirties. I'm also interested because I was actually looking at your site just earlier today to kind of get an update on your positioning and marketing. So it was interesting that you just brought that up. And I was looking at one of the adverts and I found it to be very, very different compared to some of your earlier stuff. The way you were approached, like it was uh, for this Speed Seduction 2015, the new code, enjoy genuine connection with amazing women and become a better man. So I wanted to talk to you about that because we're talking about what gets guys' attention or do we kind of have to put out there in to get their attention versus what's actually going to help them. That's always kind of the battle because you have to get the attention first. So are you able to get the attention of guys with that kind of thing now? We don't know yet. Okay, This is something that
1: we're, that we're trying out.
0: Yeah.
1: I only know that the real conflict began for me, and it hasn't been a pleasant one at times, is when I started getting into uh, my Buddhist practice and the practice of compassion. And seeing that all human beings, male, female, short, tall, stupid, fat, ugly, whatever, share the same basic sufferings. And when you begin to really get that, it becomes a, a really great incongruity <laughs> to teach that other people are something other than human beings and get time to get kind, get pussy. Not that there's anything wrong with getting pussy, or, or, or you know, I'm not by any means a feminist or any of that, but I just have conflicts with it, and we'll see. When I look at other people's marketing, I go, oh, fuck, you know, what is going on here? Is this the kind of thing that I want to perpetuate?
0: It's, I think it's a bit like the marketing is a bit like porn, like porn started off, off relatively normal in the 80s. And it's got more and more extreme as people have got desensitized.
1: Yeah. And I'm in no way contrite about what I've taught. What I've taught has done a lot of good. I've gotten a few emails the last... 30 days one was from a guy know, who sent me a picture of his kid and said baby nina yeah. thanks you for, for teaching Patty. that's very cool And i got something from israel where the guy said you know thank you for your teaching i met the woman of my dreams i have three children thank you from golan israel blah, blah 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 but some guys don't have that goal i never wanted children uh where was I? I'm rambling. <laughs> I'm being as open and, and as sincere as I can in this interview. I love it. Um, that, that's Oh, that, here comes the, one of my great loves. This is Pranilla Jones. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> I know you had a few cats, right? Uh, or at least two. You know, I think
1: cats are interesting animals. They're full of surprises. They don't listen. They change shape. They're very fluid creatures. A dog has got the same basic body shape. But cats, when they move, actually change the shape of their body you can see their muscles moving so they're sort of works of living living works of art
0: right i would agree with you i'm a big cat fan i've always been on on the cat side myself we've had cats and i've even got i've got a baby tiger picture uh with me when i was like four years old it's the most awesome picture you could ever want i think one of the things that I want to talk to you is about how you've changed over time in terms of what you've been teaching and just kind of your perspective. I understand that you kind of moved to healing, but looking at the speed seduction stuff, there was speed seduction 1.0. Uh, I'm not sure exactly the year of that. Which... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let me talk about
1: this. Originally, when I first got into this, I was very influenced by Richard Bamler and, and that sort of people in the NLP community. Originally, it was just about reciting patterns. And the woman was supposed to sit there. And just passively uh, respond. Now, about 10% of the population, somewhere between 10 and 15%, are highly responsive people. Uh, they exhibit the traits of someone who's very hypnotizable. Essentially, it was like locking in these patterns. And then I thought, well, eh, that's a lot of work, and it doesn't work as often as I'd like. And besides, you never get to know the person. So then we got into the next version that's a lot more about getting the woman involved and not so much about memorized patterns. And then I got into more lately using your vibe and how you respond when she doesn't respond, and, and just having a few and being able to generate your own kind of language that's sensory rich and it's able to attract someone and learning how to balance your personality, learning to be as comfortable being. Sexually forward as you are being supportive, learning how to be as fun and fun loving as you are showing curiosity and fascination. It's more about developing these traits and also looking for the kind of person you want to be with. There's absolutely languaging involved, but the languaging is a lot more subtle, a lot more subtle, and um, developing the right belief systems. And so that's how it's really evolved and changed. And also, I have to say, over the years, I've had teams of people and they've come and gone. You, some people would say I'm difficult to work with. That's partially true. And people just move on and do their own stuff. I would really like to get back to working with the team. I miss that. There is a point where I, when we went to London where I had like five different code trainers. And they all bought, brought something to the table, but it doesn't monetize the way it used to. So unfortunately, that, that doesn't happen.
0: Right. Yeah. It's more like the, the economics of the business. Has has changed. It's forcing people to work in different ways. Yeah. Well, so, what do you think most men struggle today? We've kind of touched on it just a little bit because you're saying guys need to heal. What do you feel they are struggling most with?
1: I think this is something that's part of Western culture. I don't know if it's as much in Europe as it is in the United States. I think we all struggle with confusing messages from the media. We're looked upon as packages. Women think, well, I want the full package, like a car that you customize. Well. Uh, I want the car to have this kind of gas mileage, and I want leather interior, and I want it all, and blah, 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 blah. Western culture teaches us to turn other people into commodity. Do you understand? And so I think this is a struggle for men and women. And then the expectations that are put upon men. Oh, we have to be uh, incredibly great providers. And no, no, no. We have to be someone who's incredibly good in bed. No, we should be someone who is spiritual. And and all these conflicting messages drive people crazy and they're confusing. On top of that, if you add the different schools of PUA and what they teach, then you've got confusion upon piled upon confusion (laughs) piled upon confusion. I think that's uh, a really, really big, big, big problem. A big problem.
0: So it sounds like there's two things there. There's like the fact that, there's so many things getting thrown at us and that's causing confusion. So we don't really know uh, what we want. And that's information overload. I mean, it's just too much input. We don't know what to accept, what to reject. Uh, conflicting information.
1: It's designed, the, the idea is designed to make you feel rotten about yourself. So the only thing you can do Is buy, 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 buy more stuff. Absolutely. And I think we're also much more isolated, which I find to be a terrible thing. Humans are meant to find real community.
0: Uh, So I was thinking, interesting is like, um, I don't know if you would think about how much we buy as being some kind of measure of our self esteem. That was just a point I thought of as you were saying what you're saying.
1: I think that's what's pounded into our head.
0: Right. I know I've certainly felt better and more in control of my life as I became more of a minimalist. I threw away all my belongings. Live, I've been living out of a suitcase for many years now, and I don't buy very much. Coming back to the kind of community thing, because I think that's obviously like, um, I can, we didn't say it, but one of the reasons that the seduction community or what was alt.seduction.fast and then...
1: Oh, yes. I have a story for you about that. Oh, great. Uh, that was a Usenet group that was, uh, it didn't exist, but one of my students, Lou Payne, was a pretty famous computer hacker. So he forged a control message and created it on the posts ah. all over the world. <laughs> so cool. Lou, I've had some interesting people uh, as students. Lou is one of them. I've had people from the intelligence and law enforcement communities. I've had some very interesting people in my courses. And so Lou... <laughs>
0: He created. He, that was his responsibility.
1: Uh, he did it. He, he, he told me, he was the first one to tell me about the internet and bulletin boards. And then he was the first oh, wow. one to tell me about the World Wide Web. I said, what is that? He said, never mind. Let me hook you up with some people go build your website. What the frick?
0: How is that? And then here we are today. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, you could say that was the responsible for starting the more community focus where there was a lot of guys able to connect with each other. Blue, um, not me. <laughs> right, right. It's his fault. <laughs> so uh, I think what a lot, because I remember in my first days, I really enjoyed the kind of brotherhood of hanging out with some guys, having a common purpose, these kinds of things. I'm completely on board of that. Today we have things like there's, there's men's groups that seem to be popping up. I think there's many other ways to get this sense of community. I do it in other ways today. Are there any ways you would suggest, like if guys acknowledge that, ah, that's one of the things I'm getting out of this, but maybe this isn't the best way to get it. Where else would you look for that kind of thing?
1: Forgive me. Cornelia is actually looking at your image move and she's like,
0: hmm,
1: (laughs) pack it? Do I eat it? What do I do with it? Everyone's got to find their own community. I happen to be someone who's into comedy. So I'm, I'm taking comedy training classes and that's sort of a community. And And I do some other things related to meditation, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's just really important. Men have lost. Here's a big thing I've found. A lot of the men who come to my courses just never had fathers, or their fathers weren't around. My father was a very dedicated man, but he worked three jobs put food on the table. I don't remember ever having any kind of much of a serious conversation with my father. My older brother didn't have a clue basically subjected me to ridicule. I think my experience is rather common. The guys who grew up with brothers and fathers who showed them the ropes never have to get into this stuff. So a lot of, uh, I think a lot of men, I would say 50% of the guys who go to any course need some help. And there's a certain percentage that I turn away or I refund them and say, look, you need some professional therapeutic help that I can't provide you with. There's a lot of, I don't want to say damage. There's a lot of injury to a lot of psyche. And I know I certainly started this out of injury. And yeah, so w- community helps to heal that, whatever, however you find it. If you find it by getting support and getting together a bunch of guys and you go, Sergeant, great. If that works for you. Yeah.
0: Great. I think you gave some great examples. They're basically your hobbies, your passions. Yeah. you know, um, If you follow those through to their logical endpoint and just get more yes. involved. Part of becoming an attractive guy. Part of it
1: is how you communicate. I absolutely believe that, which is where the language patterns and other stuff come in. And if you're leaving that out, you're making a big error. The idea that language can move human emotions, can communicate with the unconscious mind, can move people into action—that's not new with me. People, that's the basis of oratory, political speech making, poetry. You understand? plays, Play, screen, playwriting is talking about human experience and moving people with emotion and imagery, et cetera, et cetera. It's not a recitation of facts. And this is one of the things I, I get across to guys is if your communication with women is strictly factual, something you put on your curriculum by day or, or uh, you know, on a resume, then you're not communicating with women in a way that's particularly attractive
0: right well that sounds like we're getting back to what you were saying about society everything being looked at as a package which I'm, i guess you're saying we're looking at women as packages and they're looking at us as packages these kind of cvs and lists well, how do we get past that
1: like if i knew the solution to that my friend someone would shoot me <laughs> it would <laughs> undermine it would undermine the whole way that our consumer capitalists exploitive system works and by the way I'm by no means a socialist or communist, et cetera, et cetera. I just see I see the destructive aspects of what we're doing. American culture,
0: yeah,
1: American pop culture, junk culture is the most irresistible weapon on the face of the planet. Not our weaponry, which my tax dollars right. <laughs> impoverish me to pay. Yeah. But American culture is everywhere.
0: You're right, it's getting absorbed everywhere. It's everywhere.
1: Even the jihadists who hate us. You can see, I remember why, this poor Jewish journalist who got executed. He was kneeling and they were making a video. And I noticed that one of the uh, jihadis, he was dressed all in black, had Nike, I don't know if they were real or not, uh, Nike shoes. I'm like, <laughs> you know, uh, this, is, this is just embedded everywhere. Even the people who hate us, who love our movies. And, but what I'm trying to point out is it has tremendous impact mostly unconsciously on how we think about what makes us a good person, what makes us mate worthy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it has a, I was going to use a quote, big word, deleterious. (laughs) It has a damaging effect on people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that i found that's helped me when like I'm relating to some of the things you've been talking to about is uh, meditation and becoming more present in the moment. Like, I know that's kind of a cliche, but basically being able to direct my attention versus always thinking, which I think, you know, when you're always bouncing around ideas in your head and you're, you're always kind of looking for those package things you're, you're talking about, you're always thinking about those. Whereas if you can just focus and give your attention to someone. I did
1: a uh, about a 10 minute practice of that and then a 10 minute practice of something called pre before our interview. What was the second practice you did? It's something called trauma release exercises. And it does. Um, I don't know if your listeners are even interested in this. I think they want to hear about banging chicks. I, I-
0: no, 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 no. Our audience has, we talk about everything that helps in this area. I'm very, I like to explore everything that can help in this area. Um And so we, we've had a great variety of guests. And honestly, like on my own journey, I found as a, you know, there's all sorts of things I've pulled and have made it better. And so I just want to introduce guys to the tools which can help them. And uh, part of the role is podcast. I get a lot of email from guys and kind of telling the guys on the audience here, but I get a lot of email from you guys when there's been an episode that you didn't think you'd be interested in and you started listening to it. Like I've got a lot of email about the recent polyamory couple we had on and they were just talking about managing jealousy and things like that. And people were like, I'm not interested in this. But when they got into it, they're like, wow, I learned so much about relationships. I learned so many about things about the way I relate to people and things like that. And they got a lot of value out of it. So when these things come up and you're obviously getting value out of it and it's something you're doing. So, you know, you've got a meditative practice and a TRE every day. I think it's valid stuff.
1: Yeah, TRE, I stumbled onto it, I don't know, uh, back in February. And it's a practice of you do some exercises that stress the various different muscle groups. And then what happens is the body begins to shake itself. It's literally shaking off trauma and anxiety and stress. And you're not doing the shaking. These are involuntary shakes that are, that are coming out of the neurogenic. They're coming basically from the brainstem. We're subjected to so much fight, flight, and freeze. Fight, flight, freeze, and collapse. It really helps people to self-regulate. And it's a wonderful complement to meditation. So my practices are tre meditation and maybe every three or four days some self-hypnosis and then occasionally uh some other things and i think what you ought to do is just go to trauma no i i want to plug my stuff but look up tre trauma release exercises go on youtube and look it up and you will see so this type of stuff would you teach it to people like say you're i'm not qualified there's a whole training curriculum that takes nine months uh, and i'm not
0: qualified great to great it. i know your own Pace of healing, you know. And you, certain. Uh, do you feel more connected with people? I know you said you're not really sure about it, but do you think you' there's some of that journey that's been made to where you, you think it might end up?
1: I don't know in what units of measurement you measure connected.
0: Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Great, great. I know it's a complex
1: uh, uh, question. By the way, I just want to throw something in here. If you're enjoying this podcast, and for whatever reason you find that that's true, if you'd like to have me on your podcast or speak to your group or uh, sponsor an event where I can travel or you get me to travel, go to roshjeffrieslive.com. That's my speaker's page. So if you'd like to have me give a talk or you want to arrange a seminar or have me on a podcast, that's where you'd go. And then I have a free course. It's called learnhowtomeetwomen.com. It's got some really good tips on how to get out there and start meeting women. So that's learnhowtomeetwomen.com. I think anyone listening to this would go, Ross would make a good guest or a good speaker and find themselves going to rossjeffrieslive.com. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a bit of
0: speed seduction right there? No, it's some, some vague language. So I'm guessing some people attribute the whole of the Pickup Artist community and what it's become to you. Um, I think I've heard you bring that up as well. In terms of if you were going to leave something going forward, which you think because I, I know you have like views that maybe the pickup artist selection community hasn't been that helpful to a lot of guys. What kind of things could we leave to go forward that you think oh, would be more helpful? You're putting a lot on me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here today. So Well, well, Christ almighty. Potentially, right?
1: Um, oh, God. I don't know whether I should think of myself as an Einstein or a Frankenstein. <laughs> I just came up with it. That's pretty fucking funny. Um, (laughs) an Einstein or a Frankenstein probably both I don't know you're putting a big burden on me I just hope people develop practices that turn them into more compassionate human beings ultimately that's that's all we have and also looking at life as art artists work with whatever they're presented if they're in pain they work with the pain that's part of the color they paint the canvas with so Uh, Having a radical, right down to the root, a radical approach to life where you don't turn away from pain and you don't grasp on the pleasure. They're just different colors that you use to to paint. Pushing past your limits, breaking free of the bonds of fear or sadness, being able to utilize what's ever there. Life as art, I think, is very courageous very, very courageous. I would like to see more of that. And I'm getting into teaching persuasion and some other things. Frankly, if I could, uh, I would, if there's anyone out there who's interested in buying my intellectual property rights and my trademark, I'd sell the whole thing (laughs) and not all of it. I would want to continue to coach. I would want to continue to coach and to teach. And also, here's something I would love to do. If there's anyone out there who would like to get the exclusive rights to teach my stuff in Spanish, I would love to talk to you. I'd love to discuss licensing. It's a huge market. So again, go to rossjeffrieslive.com. You'll find out how to
0: communicate with me. So I heard you once say, actually last year in the London seminar, uh, you said you have a learning problem, not a women problem. Is that something you still believe today?
1: Yes, I think with many guys, the ratio of acting to thinking is gigantic. For every one unit of action, they've got 5,000 units of thinking about it. And the other learning problem, that's the big learning problem, they just don't do enough to get the skill. And they confuse knowledge with skill. They confuse, well, understanding with developing a skill in the real world. Third thing they do is they tend to, when you come into an area of life that's very emotionally difficult, you tend to see your efforts through that haze, that filter of that pain. And so if you do something that's 90% effective, but 10% you left something out, then you slide back the learning curve into feeling hopeless or blah, 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 blah. This is a big, big, big problem. In a sense, the problem is how they give themselves permission to learn what works and what doesn't and how they can move around their pain or move past it or move with it in a way where it doesn't cripple them. This is what I want to encourage guys to do. Don't follow my map, but don't stick with your own either. Sail off the edge of your map. Uh And to do that, you have to give yourself permission to walk into the unknown. Yeah. You give yourself permission to walk into the unknown, be okay with whatever you're experiencing by grounding it through your feet, let it flow in your body, go do the thing, and find a way to extract out what works and what you might lead, learn to do differently. And also accept that a big part of this is random and chaotic. You could do everything, quote, right, whatever that means, and then the person disappears for whatever reason or has something else going on in their life. So I think there's a real issue with learning, a big issue with learning.
0: And it sounds like you think that the major thing there is, as you said, it's, like, it's, it's really acknowledging it's going to be uncertain, and I don't know what's going to happen, but you have, in fact, maybe walk towards that whenever you see it. Would you encourage people if they're uncomfortable about something to focus on that?
1: Yes. And also learning to reinterpret the signals of discomfort. The fact that you feel uncomfortable gives you no information about how the other person's going to respond. It's just giving you information about what's going on inside your own neurology. People, the real learning I want guys to have is just because something's going on inside your own neurology is not a good prediction of how the other person is going to respond. Except that being shaky and trying to hide it just sort of makes the other person unconsciously feel that way too. More like a tuning fork. If you're vibrating at the frequency of being anxious or whatever, that other person will tend to vibrate like that. They won't know what's going on. But in fact, it's because you're resisting your own experience. I healed someone's uh, or facilitated someone's healing. He had a terrible fear of stage uh, speaking on stage. I said, look, it's not that you're afraid of speaking on stage. It's that you're ashamed of it, which is true. I said, so the minute you admit it in a certain way, the minute it will, away. so what I had him do is I said, I want you to feel terrified, but go in front of the audience and say, listen, for the first minute or so, when I speak to you, I'm terrified. But sometime between a minute, maybe 90 seconds, that terror is going to disappear. Probably won't be longer than. 100 seconds, but certainly won't be sooner than 50. Everybody look at their watches and see the moment it disappears. And so he looked out and saw everyone looking at their watches. Immediately that reframed it to all these people are judging me to, hey, they're doing what I tell them to do. A lot of what's going on with guys is they're fighting that experience of discomfort. And when you fight something, you only make it stronger. And then you walk up and freeze up. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, it does totally. It's hard for guys to see that sometimes because uh, the discomfort tends to make us look away from that. Well, tighten around
1: it. For example, I don't believe there's any such thing as approach anxiety. I believe, like, when I was a kid, my brother, I used to break my little brother's toys just because I was a fucker and like to push things to the edge. And so my sister bought us a toy robot for Hanukkah. I'm Jewish, by birth and uh, back then toy robots in 1965 they did three things you can make their eyes blink you can make them go forward you can make them go backwards i pressed forward and back at the same time just to see what happened and the robot started shaking it fell over and blue smoke came out of its ass because the wires melted the robot got approach anxiety because essentially (laughs) uh, when guys have quote approach anxiety and that whatever that happens throughout the whole phase whether it's quote making your move or whatever yeah yeah what happens is part of them is saying move forward another part is saying no no stay exactly where you are and those two contradictory signals make you you understand shake and it feels like you're in danger so guys interpret that as oh i'm in danger i'm going to be humiliated rejected because they don't know what's actually going on yeah and this is a big part of my mission for everybody Whether it's teaching persuasion, doing healing work, teaching guys in seminars to de thingify their world, to stop looking at things called anxiety or a thing called confidence or a thing called a nine or a 10. This is a big one how to get the nines and tens and blah, blah, blah. I've had guys say to me, whether in private or at events, you know, I'm good with the sevens and eights, but I can't get the nines and tens. I remember saying to a guy, has it ever occurred to you there's no such thing as a 9 or a 10? There's only the level of sexual excitement you feel in your body. And I, oh. And then I showed him some things he could do, like ground it through his feet, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But as long as he was thinking about it as a thing, a person outside of himself, he lost the ability to make contact with what he was actually doing in his body, which you can't make contact with, you can't change. What you can make contact with, you can change. Does
0: that make sense? Yeah, it does for me. Because the whole thing's about numbers, as you as said, that, that sounds very much related to what you were saying about, about us being packages as well.
1: More importantly, it's that directing your attention towards not as a looking at things outside of yourself, but focusing on the process that's going on inside you, gives you a, a different degree of control. A different degree of being able to, to modify what's going on.
0: More. Yes, it gives you more control, a lot more control. All right. So I did see you do that exercise. You've kind of brought it up a, a couple of times where you talk about grounding. So since you brought it up, could you describe it for the audience how that works? It
1: basically involves simply putting some of your attention on your feet when you walk through the world. Like maybe twenty percent of your attention goes on your feet, and if you feel like you're being overcharged sexually or with anxiety, you simply just bend your knees slightly as you exhale and then as you straighten up inhale and then blow it out and when you do that a lot happens when you involve your physiology it takes that overcharge and just grounds it out through your feet
0: so in different circumstances you could do that and it would give you more control about under the circumstances whether it's social anxiety approach anxiety or or whatever you're even if you're in bed with someone just Uh grind
1: the, the balls of your feet together or or put the ball of one foot into the surface of the middle of the other foot grounding yourself is really really important
0: it works great so if you're in bed why would you be doing that is it to get over sexual anxiety
1: because you don't want to shoot your load (laughs) it's
0: better than thinking of football right
1: by the way i found meditation to be extremely useful for just controlling when i come or if i want to yeah not everyone it was a side effect i never thought about it it just happened to be how it turned out
0: that's that's a great point so you have i don't know would you know how many students you've had over oh well there's those
1: who have bought stuff and then those who've pirated stuff and then those who've had stuff passed along as far as readers and fans i couldn't count them as far as actual customers I won't count them because that's my proprietary business information.
0: All right, all right. But just just in seminar, like people you've… I get recognized
1: all the time, like at least two or three times a week and sometimes in some interesting conditions. I have to tell you something else. Doing what I do for a living I think has made it more difficult for me in some sense than for guys who never have to tell a woman what they're doing, right? If you're an engineer doing this, you never have to say… But sooner or later, if, if I get involved with a woman I, and I'm going to show her my marketing and she may, you know, if I tell her right away, she's going to be very cautious. It tends to scare the crap out of women with, with trust issues, which is nearly everybody. Then again, those who think this kind of thing is cool, are like, OK, very cool. One of the reasons why I want to start teaching persuasion and such is we have an entire audience of men and women. And by virtue just of being on stage, oh, I'm right.
0: attractive. <laughs> That's a very true, uh, true point, actually, being on stage. I'm like, curious about
1: how the other puas how they deal with it. Do they just conceal it? Or at what point do they reveal it? I tend to say, well, you know, I do a lot of different things I teach. Well, one of the things I do is I do healing work with men who have uh, social anxiety and that sort of thing. And I teach them to communicate. And they're going, oh, you're doing God's work. And I said, yeah. Sometimes I'll say, but my marketing is really, really offensive. So, you know, you, you're going to look at it. If, if you choose to, you can look at it. And then either you're going to think, this is the most interesting man I've ever met. I want more. Right. Or you're going to have a different reaction. But, or you may-
0: My take on it is all of the girlfriends I've had have been fine with it. And well, what, At what point did you introduce it? So I'll meet them first. I'm not famous. So um, people don't stop me in the street or whatever. Um, so I'll introduce it to them when... We're starting to get into a relationship, and of course, it comes from my frame. I tell them what I do from my perspective. Does that mean before you fuck them, after you fuck them? What does that mean? A relationship normally comes a bit later for me, so I've been sleeping with them a bit, and you know, maybe it's a month. And how did they respond?
1: Do they uh, do they
0: sometimes feel betrayed or angry or never? Or? Like I've never had any response like that. I'll, I'll basically tell them, and then I'll show them the website um, and things like that. Oh. The if they ask,
1: ask to see
0: it no, no no i show i show them after i've spoken to them i'm sure they listen to the podcast but most of them tell me they don't but i'm sure they do
1: this is after you've been
0: involved right it's after the first i mean it depends because some girls will find out because you know they're at my place and they see something on a computer or something but it, i think it's best if you you know talk about it and most girls are going to ask you what you do pretty soon so i'll say i'm in dating and relationships and stuff So what I was going to say, though, I think it depends on the girls a lot. It's a lot to do with selection. And I think a lot of the girls that are going to suit me are going to be okay with with what I do. That's my personal. Well, Ross, this has been a very uh, straightforward conversation, which I think is really cool and always really helpful for the guys. I just want to ask you a few more questions. I was just curious, actually, just uh, as a sideline, you know, Eric Weber published his book, How to Pick Up Girls. In Yeah, I remember reading
1: it in college.
0: Did that kind of like help to make you think that this was something you're going to do no uh-huh.
1: uh. although i had an odd experience at ucla i got rejected so many times where women would accept and then they cancel the dates and i i had a scrapbook of ridiculous rejection notes i'd find them on their door when i would go to pick them up
0: oh wow that's interesting <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how I, it's changed <laughs> well
1: but you know looking back in, in perspective there actually were women who were attracted to me but i felt such incredible Shame about my body, body dysmorphia, and, and other things that I just uh, didn't take advantage of. But in any case, I remember like the 10th girl, and this is my story. Um, several girls had canceled on me in a row, and I remember yelling out loud, When am I going to solve this? And my own intuitive voice said, When you solve it for everyone, you'll solve it for yourself. Or maybe it said, When you solve it for yourself, you'll solve it for everyone. I don't know. And I remember as a child having a not a vision. It wasn't like the Virgin Mary, but a kind of semi dream or something like that, where I was teaching a lot of guys, uh, teaching a big group of men, or a big group of people. I've often thought it's, uh, "I this is what I'm ideally suited to. Do.
0: Yeah, I've seen you on stage. You're good. It's difficult. It's a lot of skill. And I often think, you know, you said women find you more attractive on the stage.
1: They um, absolutely do. If I go to London and teach, there's always a lot of Swedes there and The hottest one is definitely going to be all over me. And I'm 56. These are women in their mid to late 20s. you know. And at my age, frankly, I really can't or don't go out to the supermarket and talk to women that young. Understand? Because it's just when I was 10 years younger, maybe I would do it. That gap is really, really big. But when I'm on stage, that's it. Not just because I'm very powerful as a speaker, but I can embed little suggestions. So as we move your thinking in a new direction that you didn't know inside yourself that you really, really desired to have, I think something can come up between us. It's a really powerful learning. And when I see the moment where women get it, they really get it. And then they get it later.
0: <laughs> That's great. Do you think a job, part of it, a big part of it is, is leadership? Because, you know, you're a leader. This is what you've done. You've led this whole, arguably, be the whole movement and you know you're up on stage that's what you're doing
1: yes but you know you can be a leader and still not a, be a good speaker and not have charisma on stage and, and certainly not know how to embed commands and suggestions in your language
0: etc cetera, etc cetera, uh, at all excellent okay cool who besides yourself you said hayley quinn are there other people you'd recommend in the world to learn from about this stuff
1: Haley is marvelous uh-huh. i think of Haley. You know how you know you're getting older? Because when you look at a beautiful young woman, not as someone who you want to bang, but as the daughter that huh. uh, you never had that you wish you always had. I look at Haley in that way, like uh, she's my kid. Haley is a marvelous teacher. I love Haley. Uh, there are some guys who are more like into the better man movement who I really like. There's a guy out in Arizona, Steve Grosh, who goes by the hand. I don't know if he still goes by it. Uh, Bravo, P-U-A. I really like him. He's, he's a good, sincere guy. Who else? I love Steve Maeda. He's really into genuine masculinity. He calls himself the red. This is an old joke. Old guy goes to the doctor. The doctor says, I have horrible news and I have bad news. The guy says, what's the horrible news? He says, you have terminal cancer. The guy says, what's the bad news? He said, you have Alzheimer's. And the guy says, at least I don't have cancer. <laughs> Um, he calls himself the Red Mole.
0: Oh, yeah, right.
1: S- Steve Maeda. I, have you interviewed him? No,
0: I haven't. I, I know of him.
1: I really like it because these are guys who are part of the genuine you know, masculinity anything.
0: Right. That movement is really spreading. I think it's going mainstream. Yeah, I want to piggyback on that. <laughs> I think it's a very important trend. It's, it's definitely one part of the puzzle.
1: That's why I'm saying if you're moved by this and you want me to give a talk to your group or want me to do your podcast or give a speech, Go to rossjeffrieslive.com That's rossjeffrieslive.com And you'll see how you can do that. And I'm open to giving talks anywhere. It doesn't even necessarily have to be from someone who does PUA. You could be someone listening who goes, this guy understands personal development and change. We want him to talk to our business or whatever. And then if you are more specifically oriented towards meeting women, go to learnhowtomeetwomen.com. That's learnhowtomeetwomen.com. And I have a free course on, on doing that. And finally, if you're anywhere near Southern California and or you're willing to travel, we are doing a seminar July 18th and 19th. and That's Speed Seduction, the new code. If you just go to seduction.com, you'll see the big banner. I'm giving people too many things to look at here, which is...
0: <laughs> you are, you're supposed to just give them one to focus on. Is that not a Speed Seduction thing? You're supposed to give them one instead of...
1: If you want to have me as a speaker in any form, go to rosscheckerslive.com if you want a really good, easy to absorb course on meeting women, go to learnhowtomeetwomen.com.
0: All right. Last question. If you had just free recommendations to give to guys and they're new to all of this, but they want to improve their life with women and dating, sex relationships, what would you say to them? On women and relationships, et cetera. Dating, sex relationships this part of their life they're not happy with and they're starting from scratch. They don't know anything. What would be the three things you would tell them to do? Uh, I would say,
1: look at my material. Definitely do something to have, I almost said bondage. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm tired. I don't think that's the first step. Yeah, do something to form bonds with other men and do some kind of um, practice like mindful meditation, et cetera, et cetera. And then if you're my age, you know, like 50 or older, take care of your health. Take care of your exercise, your nutrition. Because man, having a heart attack really, really woke me up. Right. mortality
0: are you doing okay now um yeah i think i'm doing pretty good
1: great glad to hear i had some serious health challenges but i think i've turned the corner on that and, and i'm feeling better
0: excellent great to hear i mean to your note i think everyone we coach guys and i, I think help some of the issues come from health like it's not acute health issues it's not a heart attack but even in their 20s and 30s they have some chronic stuff and that's interfering with self-development it's interfering with their brain you know all sorts of things
1: I want to make this point and the TRE's point of view stresses this: life is traumatic by trauma. We don't just mean car accidents or watching someone be the attempt of a attempted murder, but there's chronic trauma, the trauma of being isolated, the trauma of being ignored. uh, This is traumatic and, and people need some way of releasing that. That's healthy. Ross. Thank you. Great interview. You're really, you've asked intelligent questions and you've encouraged me to just be open about what I do. I appreciate that.
0: I've enjoyed it a lot. I've enjoyed talking to you and I feel like I've got to see where you've come from and where, and where you've got to. And, you know, I think that's really helpful for our users. So thank you very much for being so straightforward. Sure. Take control of your dating life today. Take one idea or one insight from today's episode and apply it today. Don't wait, do it today. That's all it takes to change your life, step-by-step, episode-by-episode. Learn more about what I, Angel Donovan, and my team do at DatingSkillsReview.com. How we help men like you take control of their dating lives.